I'm going to assume that you know the Titanic. Even those with little interest in history know of the great ship that sunk in the early 20th century, taking with it the lives of more than 1,500 people. But there is so much more to this story than a ship hitting an iceberg. In this first part of a special two-part episode, we'll discuss the design, construction, fateful maiden voyage, and dreadful sinking of the unsinkable Titanic. I'm Aaron, and welcome to Cheeky Tales. Well, here we are again, boy. Definitely not one toilet break after the last recording. <laughs> hey, boy. Well, good Hello. to see you again. Yeah, it's definitely been a fortnight. <laughs> now we record these back to back. Sometimes. It's, uh, it's 10 p.m. It's going to be a loopy one, I think. <laughs> Maybe right, not. Then. Maybe not. I don't know how many beers you've had. One. Exactly. Because I got work tomorrow. <laughs> So, boy, the Titanic. Yeah. I assume you know a little bit about this story. Uh, yeah, directed by James Cameron. Uh, I've never seen, seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it either. Who would have thought I haven't seen it? I don't want to watch three and a half hours to watch a boat sink. Sorry, not yeah. my cup of tea. I, I probably don't want to see the dramatization either. Um, mainly because I have now read a lot about this story. And I had intended that this would be a short one. Not a short episode, but like that I would cover what I'm covering in both parts in one episode. Yep. So the structure of this one's going to be a little bit different. We're going to do this part will come out on the usual week. Yep. Uh, but instead of waiting the two weeks, we're going to have part two next Ooh. week. I know it's going to be like three weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know so much editing. But <laughs> this, this episode is going to go into the story of the Titanic sinking. Mm-hmm. So what we know, uh, a lot of which didn't actually get, uncovered until they found the ship in the 80s. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to cover what we know, how it happened, what what went down other than the ship. Um, to my knowledge on the topic, yep. the big ship, mm-hmm. lots of people, yep. hit an iceberg, mm-hmm. sunk. Yep. The chef survived because he drank a lot of rum or whiskey, something I, along those lines. I don't believe that's true. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's that's... not mentioned anywhere. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I always- Oh, yeah, that's not the saddest part. Oh, true. Yeah. Lots of people died. That's Ooh, the saddest lots part. Lots of them. Just to give some perspective, there was first, second, and third class on this ship, right? Yep. On one of the sources that I looked at that definitely was Wikipedia, um, they had a graph that showed, like, the various percentages of, of who was on the ship that died. Yeah. Second class men was 80%. 80% of them died. Women and children first? Yeah. Cold um, water. Negative two degrees. Yeah. Mm. That's Celsius. Uh, that's 28 degrees in- uh, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah. So, that's part one. We'll cover all the all of that stuff. Part two, the bit that I initially decided I wanted to do the episode on- Next is, week. That is next week. Uh, it's all of the alternative theories, uh, the conspiracies, if you will. Okay. Or just the alternative ideas for what happened, which like honestly are crazy. A couple of them. Like I said, I'm excited. I know, I guess, the basics of the Titanic, but hopefully you get to find out I fell in love with this story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I sort of enjoyed the idea of it, but just reading up, like, there's something about this ship. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but the more you see it and the more you read about it, it's it's so fascinating. There's a romance just, to it? Yeah, a little bit. I think maybe that's just the era and, yeah. like, it's- a, Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it. All right. Take me on a voyage, boy. Sail away, sail away, sail away. Get it? Yeah, I get it. It's a song. Yeah, nice. I, w- I wasn't going to sing it. 
So the beginning of the story of the Titanic is in 1907. White Star Line was a shipping company that focused on passenger comfort above all else. In an era where speed was considered the most important part of a transatlantic voyage, White Star chose instead to give their customers the most lavish and comfortable conditions possible. Still, their main competitors, Cunard, had recently launched two vessels, the Lusitania and Mauritania, which were the fastest passenger ships of the era. Uh, with their vessels aging, White Star chose to follow that philosophy that they had used so far and designed the largest and most grand series of vessels ever seen, the Olympic class of ocean liners. There was to be three of them, the RMS Olympic, the RMS Titanic, and the HMHS Britannic. The Olympic and Titanic would be built within months of each other, with the Britannic to be launched two years later. The Britannic wasn't its original name, right? Yes, it was always a Britannic. Oh, okay. Thought I heard something a little while ago that its original name was the Gigantic. I did not read that anywhere. And because that was so, once the Titanic sunk, it was so close to Titanic, they changed it to Britannic. No, it had already been named at that point. Okay. It was being built. Maybe I dreamt it then. Yeah. I don't know. No, it, it was being built at that point, so it had a name. Ignore that. Not real. Not true. And <laughs> un, un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Substantiated. That's correct. Uh, so the design would see the ships be the largest ever built at the time. They would feature 16 water park uh, water parks. I will start. In the 1920s. Boy, that's getting it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the design would see the ships be the largest ever built at the time. They would be almost identical to each other, by the way. Um, the, the Olympic class liners were basically the same ship with yeah. some slight alterations as they went. They would feature 16 watertight compartments below the waterline with bulkheads rising a deck above the waterline that could be sealed shut to restrict the water to the one compartment. As it could take four compartments being breached before the ship would be in danger of sinking, that's why they said it was unsinkable. Right. Nobody could imagine that happening. Yep. Four Until this point, yep. it hadn't really happened. Foreboding. So, are you are you going to tell us like the the route yes. that it was designed to take? But we're still going into the design and the yeah, the so, manufacture of the, the ships. yeah. I mean, I'll I'll cover it off now. So they were going across the Atlantic, so from London to New York and back. Yeah, right. Which was okay. a, a yeah. very popular line at the time. Yeah. And it yeah. was, in this period of time, it was the main form of travel. That's by right. Ocean yeah. Planes right. don't really exist. you got to go by boat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How long does it take? By this point, only about five days. Oh, that's not very long at all. Yeah. So- That's just a nice- Yeah. We we'll, cover, we'll cover the dates. Okay. It's, it's about, I think- I'm getting too total, far ahead. Total voyage is five days for this this trip. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry for getting too far ahead. No, that's all good. Please point. continue. That's the point. While obviously the first class was bougie as heck, uh, as I'm coining it. What is the wank factor on first class? Massive. <laughs> Massive. Uh, but even though first class was bougie, second and third class were actually well above the norm in terms of comfort for their time as well. Okay. Uh, for first class passengers, though, there was a gym, swimming pool, library, restaurants, a Turkish bath, a squash court, and many, many other luxuries. Wow, this is the 1920s too. That's yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So this is nicer than any hotel I've ever stayed in, even now. <laughs> it's probably still nicer sitting at the bottom of the ocean than any hotel I've stayed in. Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So these things were grand. Yeah. And um, you imagine like, even for the time, like dope yeah. getting on this ship. So how many people could first class hold then? Like would, how many people would be sharing first these class, facilities? I think first class was like 20% of the passengers. Okay. No, maybe even less. Um, that's actually not a number I looked up. I okay. probably should have, but it's not really important to this story, okay. but- um, like 
you, a lot less people than I'm first just trying class. to picture how much like space would be available in first class. Yeah, so I think first class was like two decks to itself. It was a ten deck ship. Um, so yeah, like a lot of room was just for first class. Yeah, nice. Yeah, the ship would also feature a state-of-the-art radio communication system leased to White Star Line by the Marconi International Marine Communication Company. Not really good at uh, short names. <laughs> Uh, it would be in operation 24-7, manned by two Marconi employees, not employees of White Star Line. While they were also tasked with taking messages intended for navigation and safety, specifically ICE warnings, uh, it was the primary task to get customers to pay for sending messages back to shore. Important that you note that they are not employees of the ship or of the shipping line. Uh, they are independent of all of that. Right, yes. Getting to the lifeboats, uh, which I'm sure most people know is part of the uh, part of the key to this tragedy. The Olympic class vessels and Titanic in particular were designed to hold 64 wooden lifeboats. In the end, it was decided that this number of lifeboats would interrupt the view of the ocean for passengers on the boat deck, so the first class passengers. Yep. And the number of wooden lifeboats was reduced to just 14. So that's 64 down to 14. That's yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah. So, and how many, sorry, did I miss it? How many people would fit in a lifeboat? Uh, per lifeboat, I think it was 68 for the wooden ones. There was also a couple of collapsible ones um, sort of hidden around the place. Right. So, if this reduced by 50, that's potentially 3,000 people. Yeah. So, in total, the 14 uh, lifeboats plus the four collapsibles and two cutters that were on board uh, could hold uh, 1,178 people. It's funny that you say the two cutters because a cutter is not a small no. boat in itself. Yeah. These lifeboats are actually massive. Yeah. Like you see, there's pictures of them being recovered, and yeah, they're huge. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. say it, there was enough space for just over a thousand people, thousand one hundred and seventy-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a third of the Titanic's total capacity. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't, but that's by today's standards. And like this, this incident is why we know that. And so, it was on an unsinkable ship. They didn't believe. They probably didn't believe they needed lifeboats. Yeah. So. There's a couple of things to note there. The first is that at the time, lifeboats weren't... The idea of a lifeboat wasn't that you got in it and that was that, right? The idea was that you got in and went to a rescue ship and then they sent the lifeboat back, back to the sinking right. ship to get more people. But that makes more sense than I suppose. Yeah. So, at the time, there's a lot more vessels in the water as well. So, there should be a ship close enough to come and, and get people. Yep. Yeah. And so, because of this, uh, the design, that was actually approved by the Board of Trade. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the Board of Trade had actually just increased its requirements for lifeboats. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was still uh, more than they were supposed to have, yeah. according to the regulations. Just as an uh, interesting sign, I just quickly looked up on my phone. Yeah. Who'd you say was making or the owners of the Titanic? Was it White Star? White Star Line. You know how there's a Titanic replica being yes. built by yep. a- Clive Palmer. Local to where we live. Big fatty. Guess the company name for that's building that? White Star. Blue Star. It's literally Blue so Star Line is making Titanic, Titanic 2. Lame. White Star Line doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I'm assuming it was due to maybe no. incident. No, different. Well, it wasn't the sinking of the ship that's- They made it all the way through to the point where ships weren't really the main point of, con- of travel anymore. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, back to the Titanic. Sure. Construction would begin in Belfast in 1909, uh, with the keel of the Olympic being laid down on the 16th of December 1908. So that's the first of the Olympic class. Yep. And the keel of the Titanic being laid down on the 31st of March. It's quite an uh, important step in building a ship, too. Is yes. The keel being laid. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's the point where you say the ship is now being built. Yeah. 
they were so big that the construction, like the company that constructed it, had to build docks to be able to build these ships. Yeah, wow. Yeah, they they were big boys for the time. Uh, so, in uh, during construction, around two thousand steel plates were used to construct the hull, held together with over thirteen million iron and steel rivets. That's crazy to me too. Yeah. It's all held together with rivets. There's no welding or. And a lot of them were hit hit in there by hammers yeah. by men. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Not, not machines. No. Little uh, side note about the construction. 246 people were injured, 28 of them severely with crushed or detached limbs. Six deaths on board the ship during construction and two in the yard. Yeah, safety regulations back then were non-existent, not like today. Actually, very low injury and death numbers for the time. So, good on them. Okay, well then- I take that back. Their safety was great. Yeah. No, it wasn't. For the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not in today's standards. So, construction continued. The Titanic was launched. So, dunked into the ocean. Sure. Um, Not complete, but the hull is together and and it can be launched. Into like a wet dock. Yep. Uh, On the 31st of May, 1911. So, it took just over two years to build the hull. Uh, Its fit out began from there. The fit out took longer than it was supposed to. Uh, now, this was due to the Olympic, which had been launched about a year before Titanic was scheduled to be completed. Olympic ran into another ship in September of 1911 uh, and had to be- Hang on. Yep. It ran into a ship or a ship ran into it? It's contentious. Okay. But the, the Olympic was blamed for the incident. Okay. because if That you, actually comes up in the theories episode. I said, if you're telling me the size of these things yeah. and another boat hit it, yeah. all I'm picturing is charter boat? What charter boat? <laughs> it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Okay. And I'll touch on it in the, in right. the theories episode. I shall, it does come up. I shall wait. But yeah, because the Olympic was damaged, it had to go into the dry dock that the Titanic was being fit out in. Um, and parts that were intended for the Titanic had to be taken off uh, the line for the Titanic and put on Olympic so to repair it. So these dry docks that were built to build them in, yeah. they weren't permanent? They were temporary? No, they were permanent. Are the idea permanent? was that they would use them for other ships. That were but there was built. only one per ship or... So they had two. They had two dry docks, one for each ship. No. So the dry dock, no. The right. construction dock, yes. There was two of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, even though they were only building three ships. Yeah. So they had to had to slow the uh, the construction of the Titanic uh, by about three months. Um, that may have contributed to what happened in the end to the Titanic uh, because it pushed it later into the ice season. Oh, okay. So the fit-out was completed and sea trials began on the 2nd of April, 1912. What about A trials and B trials? Uh. <laughs> Your reaction. I rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> so hard. If you listen carefully, you can probably hear it. <laughs> so those sea trials began just eight days before the maiden voyage was set to begin. Eight days. So this ship hasn't even been approved yet. And they're selling tickets. I was going to say, they'd they'd be selling tickets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, these sea trials took place around Belfast, where it was constructed, uh, and were completed without incident within the single day, and the ship departed for Southampton to prepare for its maiden and fateful voyage. Oh, that's right. They only had one. Well, it didn't even complete one. Oh, true. It had half half a voyage before it was- So, what are you thinking so far, boy? Um, Are you feeling the love for it yet? I'm uh, guessing not. No, not really. Yeah. I, you have to see it. Like if if you have oh, not I've seen plenty of pictures of it, it's it's a majestic. It is beautiful. It's a majestic yeah. boat, and a, yeah, me calling it a boat is going to upset a lot of people. <laughs> it's a majestic ship, like and it was uh, I, is it something like it was the first one to have the four no. stacks? Uh yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, just uh, it, I associate those stacks with the Titanic. So if, you, if we're talking about the stacks, it's the smoke stacks on yeah. top. 
So do I. Most ships of the time had them. Yeah, correct. But you think of those, if you, if you see that stack, mm-hmm. you think, oh, the Titanic. Yep. It had four of them. How many were real? Oh, I'm going to say two. Three. Okay. Mm. Fun fact. Um, oh, it would be, it'd be incredible if it was still around today. Like, mm. our mate's building a replica. Might go for a drive if it's- I it, want to see it, yeah. Yeah, see it? Like, so it's not going to be the same. No. Like you said, I think there's a romance to this ship. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not feeling it yet. Yeah. Okay. You probably won't because it doesn't end well. Okay. So how, does, oh, how does it end? <laughs> <laughs> do you know the three? Do you know what happened to the other two Olympic vessels? I believe I, I think the Britannic sunk in World War One. Yeah. It, was it was it sunk or did yes. it sink? Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it was sunk. Yeah, by, it was a hospital ship. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think to happened be, to the Olympic? To be honest, didn't even know the Olympic existed. I knew that it was the Britannic and the Titanic. Mm. Didn't know about the Olympic. The Olympic survived the whole time and then was just torn apart. Oh, what? Yeah, they scrapped it. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Yeah. You're, you're telling me- In the 30s. You're telling me they had a sister ship to the Titanic? Yes. Was the Titanic as famous as it was oh, now yeah. back then? Hell yeah. Yeah, this was Was a it big famous deal. or was it infamous? It was infamous. Okay. Might, that might be different. It's yeah. famous now. Yes. You got to remember a lot of people were still alive. Yeah. Yeah. It, you're telling me they had- oh, I know. But we could still have pretty much an exact copy of the Titanic yeah. today. Yeah. That's ridiculous. What were people thinking? 30s, yeah. you suck. Some of the interior still exists. Like it's in a- I think there's a hotel or something or a museum that's got it. I believe it is a hotel. I, yeah. I think I do remember yeah. reading something about that. Mm. But that's still- <sighs> Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's upset me. <laughs> that has actually upset me. I don't, I'm not feeling the love for the boat, but you're telling me that we could have had like pretty yeah. much- the yeah, Titanic yeah. still? Yeah. You suck, 30s. <laughs> it, yeah. The, uh, one of the worst times to be alive, I think. Anyway, let's get to the maiden voyage. So, the maiden voyage was set to be from Southampton in England, uh, which was a traditional starting point for lots of vessels, uh, and moving on to pick up passengers in Cherbourg, France, and then Queenstown in Ireland, and then on to New York. Did um, they do the old bottle smash on the bow? No. Oh. Um, that's what... That's what Right there. That's the problem. No, uh, they White didn't, Starline never did that. They didn't christen it. That's why it hit an iceberg. White Starline never did it. Okay. Mm. I'm telling you, that's that's what happened. That's what yeah. sunk the Titanic. If they just smashed a bottle of champers on the front of it, got the queen out. She was alive back then, surely. She's old. Got the queen out and- Not I don't, quite. I, I don't think she was the no. queen, but no. She, no, she wasn't born yet. Yeah, she was born in the 20s. Nope. She's only like 90 now. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Should have got the king out, smashed a bottle of champers on the bow. Would have been sweet. I'm telling you. Time, so, time travel gets invented. Oh my god! That's what I'm doing. I'm going back in time. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you'll do. I'm smashing a bottle on the Titanic. Not punch Hitler as a kid. <laughs> well, I'm sure someone else would take care of that for me. I'm not going to be the only. If I've got time travel, I'm not the only person time traveling. <laughs> Let's get back to it. We're way off course. It's estimated that uh, 2,224 people were aboard uh, once the transatlantic voyage uh, portion of the voyage began. The crew for the first voyage would be an experienced one, with Captain Edward John Smith being named captain. Captain Smith was the most senior at White Star and was moved from the Olympic to command the first voyage of the Titanic. Due to the Olympic being laid up receiving repairs, again, not the same instance, Okay. the chief mate from the Olympic was moved over as well, Henry Wilde. Uh, the moving of Wild bumped the designated chief mate and first mate down to first and second mate and bumped the original second mate, David Blair, off the ship altogether. He was pierced 
and left quickly. I was going to say, I bet you in the end he wasn't. Well, he probably regrets his decisions uh, because he left really quickly and accidentally took the key to the crow's nest locker, which held the binoculars for the crow's nest. Ooh, foreboding. (laughs) On board this maiden voyage. uh, Yep. How many crew to man? It was a lot. It's like a thousand. Wow. Maybe not a thousand, maybe like 500. A lot of people. You don't have the stats of how many crew it is, like mechanical, like to operate the ship no, and get it moving, not compared interested, to no. like waiters or. Yeah, no. Sorry, audience. I thought that might be interesting. Apparently, Aaron doesn't agree. I don't at all. Okay. On board were several notable passengers: John Jacob Astor. Never heard of him. The richest passenger, a business magnate and real estate developer, Benjamin Guggenheim, an American businessman. Do you recognise that name? Nope. Oh, uh, Guggen- uh, Guggenheim's a museum, I think. Okay. Yeah. No. no, I'm thinking of Gaggenia, okay. which is appliances. The owner of Macy's, Isidore Strauss, and his wife, Ida. No, Macy's, I didn't know the person. Yeah, that's why I included Macy's. <laughs> Joseph B. Ismay, chairman and managing director of the White Star Line. Oh. Yeah. Thomas Andrews, the naval architect of the Titanic. And William T. Steed, the pioneer of investigative journalism. I mention these people not because it ends well for them, I might add. We know their story uh, because they were rich uh, or notable, um, yeah. but they don't end well. Well, like, uh, you said it was the uh, second class that had 80% males. Yeah. 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 In total, I think it was like, no, actually, it was 92% of second class males. It was 80% of males overall. Yeah. Not a good time on that ship. The great ship began its voyage at 12 p.m. on the 10th of April, 1912. Uh, it did not take long before something went wrong huh. with the bow waves of the Titanic. <laughs> so the sh- the size of this thing created say, these massive bow waves. Don't tell me they forgot to put the bung plugs in. No. <laughs> uh, as the bow, like as it moved past other mm. ships that were moored nearby, mm. uh, it snapped the mooring lines of a nearby ship because obviously it raises it up and then drops it down. Yeah. And that ship came within 1.2 metres or four feet of hitting the Titanic. Uh, The captain quickly gave it the old uh, Tokyo Drift and got (laughs) it out of there. From there, the ship travelled to Cherbourg in France, where it took on passengers, and then to the last stop before the Atlantic crossing in Queenstown Island. Uh, It's here that one of the world's luckiest men made his escape, uh, with a crew member sneaking off the ship by hiding under mailbags that were being unloaded. He's recorded as the last departure from the ship before it finally hit the Atlantic at 1.30pm on the 11th of April. Did it say why he left? Like, what was his reasoning? Nope. I don't think they ever asked him, to be honest. Okay. They just know that he left. Bad feeling. I think they had other things to worry about. The ship travelled uneventfully across the Atlantic until the night- I don't believe that at all. (laughs) Until the night of the 14th, uh, where it entered the ice fields off the coast of Newfoundland, now part of Canada. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, if you picture the Atlantic, you've got London and you've got like New York yep. across the other side. They basically go sort of like a little bit north of New York. They across can ride the, Atlantic. the curve and come down the other side That's of the right. curve. Um, but they hit they hit the coast of Newfoundland, which is like kind of the, the eastern tip of Canada. Yeah. Cut like a little bit south yep. and then would cut again west across to New York. So they've just hit this little cut. And they're ducking down south I imagine that is that still, say, like a shipping lane now type of... I imagine yeah. those things yep. haven't changed in No, still a shipping years. lane. Yeah. Well, it is 100 years, isn't it? Uh, it's Almost. 102. Yeah. Was this 1911? 1912. Okay. So it's 100 years next year. No. No, it's 110 years next year. Yes. Mm. Quick maths. 
So Titanic had covered 3,102 kilometres or 1,923 miles by 11.40 p.m. on the 14th. Throughout the final day, the ship ship received no less than six ice warnings from other vessels in the area, uh, as this was said to be the worst ice conditions in 50 years. The SS Californian was closest to the Titanic in the evening and had sent three ice warnings using its radio. Unfortunately, despite having sent ice warnings to the captain earlier, the radio operators did not share the three warnings from the Californian with Captain Smith. So the last three ice warnings they received, they didn't pass on. Keeping in mind, they're not trained in being on a ship. They're yeah, radio right. operators. Yeah. So Those are the ones you said before that are not part of... They're not part of the White Star Line. They're not on ships most of their time. This was their first time on the Titanic, as anyone anyone had been. But um, I mean, for your first time, that's a nice ship to be on. I know. But they had to work 24-7 between the two of them. Yeah, right. So you got 12-hour shifts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The last message, in fact, interrupted the radio operators as they attempted to send passenger messages to shore. Uh, There'd been some issues with the radio earlier in the day, so they had backed up messages to send. Uh, And they sent back an abusive message to the SS Californian, telling them to shut up as they sent messages to shore. This caused the Californian to shut off its radio for the night. Okay. Bit of aggression on the water. Yeah. Um, 19, there's not, 1912 road rage. There's not like a recording of the message. No, I imagine Some people be. say they called them idiots. Oh, uh, that's harsh. For, for the early 1900s, I, yeah, it it's like dropping the seat. So there's actually no like transcripts of it or anything like that? No. No. Because this is like- well, I mean, the transcripts would have went down with the ship, right? Yeah. I mean, you, like the Californian might have, but anyway. Despite not receiving the last ice warnings, the captain and officers were aware of ice in the area. However, they did not sh- uh, slow the ship down at all. In this era, speed and sticking to a schedule uh, were of more importance to ship passengers. Yep. And okay. ice was not thought to be a major concern, with ships in the past surviving head-on collisions with icebergs. What? Yeah, there's a ship, uh, it was a German liner in, like, it was a few years before this, and there's pictures of it, just nosed into an iceberg, and the whole bow- Stuck. No, oh, like, oh. smacked into it, flattened yeah, right. the whole okay. bow. Yep. Whole bow's ruined, just kept going, went back to shore, got fixed, still used. Wow. I mean, it was built by the Germans. Germans were known to build. Yeah. And, like, that was how that was how ships had always interacted with icebergs, was head-on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can see where this is yeah. going. Yep. So, at 11.40 p.m., so as this accident was occurring, yep. the ship was traveling at 22 knots, just 0.5 knots below its top speed. So that's about 40 k's an hour. Not that quick, but for something that size. Yeah. It's so you fairly- imagine this thing's 300 meters long. Yeah. The- yeah. Do you have a weight on it? Uh, it was 56,000 tons. Is that in water or out of water? Because That's much- displacement. Okay. So it's it weighs more than that, but yeah. that's the amount of water, water it displaces. Yeah. 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 For something that big and that yeah. weight to be moving, that's a lot of power and force behind it yeah so we're getting to the we're getting to the juicy bit or the moist bit we're getting to the iceberg yeah did you hear on a podcast that we listened to the other day i don't know if you caught up to him they were talking about an snl skit recently about this topic no they had i forget who it was but they had an actor playing the iceberg and they kind of revolted like yeah trying to be like the ice, like they were saying i have seen this actually the they, iceberg, hit me. they hit me i'm the victim yeah. <laughs> you know they reckon they've got a photo of it of the the iceberg there was a ship the next day that saw an iceberg in the area and they're like, is that a big red smudge on the side of it? I reckon that's the one that... Yeah, right. Anyway, let's get into the uh, get into the Duncan. You've got the dark one this week. I had it yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Next week's is going to be more fun. It's okay. the crazy ideas behind yeah. it. But uh, yeah, this one, bit sad. It's 110 years ago. Get, it, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I don't mean get over it, but like... Time heals all wounds. <laughs> 
So, uh, at the time of the collision, most people aboard were asleep, as you would understand. It's, well, it's middle of the night, really, isn't it? It's 20 minutes to midnight. Yeah. The captain had retired for the night, uh, and the control of the ship had moved from the second mate onto the first mate, William Murdoch. The lookouts in the crow's nest were Frederick Fleet and Reginald Lee. Fleet is one of my favourite characters in this whole thing because you can just tell he's sick and tired of the nonsense by the end of it. During the inquiries, the US inquiry, they asked him a whole bunch of questions and he like basically refused to answer all of them. So I'm guessing he survived? Yes. Okay. They asked him a bunch of questions. He refuses to answer all of them. At the end, they're like, well, because he's like, he survived a sinking and then within a month, he's had two inquiries about it. Okay. And the, uh, the guy that's interviewing him is like, thanks for your help with all this. And he's just like, pfft. Whatever. And that was the last <laughs> recorded message that he had. Wow. Yeah. Like, they don't really know anything else he did after that, other than he was in World War One and Two. But Bit of an a-hole. Well, to be honest, I kind of get it. And, like, y- you sort of understand. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss it a bit later. But the, the inquiries did not go well for those on board, really. Like, nobody got blamed, but- No. I was going yeah. to say, like, remind me when we get to it, how many- I, I don't know if you covered it or not, but how many crew members survived? Yeah, I don't have that number. So, Frederick Fleet, Reginald Lee, up in the crow's nest. Yep, no binoculars. They were left without those binoculars. Mm-hmm. That's the middle of the night. What are binoculars really going to be doing uh, in the middle of the night? More than you would think. Okay. Yeah. Right, um, so, you, the way that they actually spot icebergs is not by seeing the iceberg. It's by seeing water hitting the iceberg. How do you mean? Because you see the um, the waves breaking. So, you see the, the water, so the you white can, tops. Oh, like moving away from an object? No, you see it hitting it. So oh, like you okay. see the flash of the water hitting it, and you're like, oh, that's a thing. Um, oh, okay. so, and then you would use your binoculars to okay. spot in. That's interesting. The other thing that happened was there's a phenomenon that happens when cold water hits warm air mm. where it creates like a haze, and that obscures and raises the horizon. So you can't see as far. Okay. Yeah, so they think that might have had something to do with what happened. I'm assuming like most of the dramatization, dramatization has been misty. Would that also be like the cold air coming off yeah. the thing, like creating yeah. that mist type of thing? That's the way that they show it, yeah. But like the it's reality is it's dark as hell. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. Was so, it a full moon? Did they have any light? No. no. I, I don't believe it was. I think it was a moonless night. I think I read. So it, it was just starlight. Like extra dark. Yeah. At 11.39pm, fleet spotted the iceberg dead ahead, rang the crow's nest bell three times, bing, 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 and immediately called to the bridge. The ship was ordered to turn hard to port, that's left. What's the rhyme? We've covered this. There's no red port left. You remembered Mm. it. It came in handy, didn't it? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Because anytime you see port or starboard, there's in brackets what that is. Oh, really? Because everybody knows, just say left. Anyway, uh, but it was too late. Uh, with the starboard or right-hand side uh, of the hull grinding against a spur of the iceberg. So that was under the waterline. So it hit on the right-hand side? Yes. For some reason, all my mental images is it hit the left side. No. I wonder why that is. It hit the right side. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This didn't breach the hull itself, but crushed the hull plates so that the rivets on the seam broke, opening the seam of the hull plates. In total, five compartments were breached, which was... One more than four. One more than four. So at this point, immediately, even though they don't know it yet, Titanic's doomed. Yep. But it is interesting to know that it didn't, like, cut it open. It just no, it crushed just the plate, which... Busted the seam. It's also interesting, because um, it was like a burr on the bottom of the iceberg, too. Like, yeah. I guess that's... I don't know how... If that's irregular formation no. of iceberg, or if no, that's quite... Very regular. Okay, well, Yeah. So 80% of an iceberg is under the water. I'm aware of that. Sorry, it's... Seven-eighths of the iceberg are underwater. Yeah. yeah. So, 
but like having a big burr coming out of the side underwater, yeah. if, if that's regular or not, like who knows? Obviously, if it was a sm- smoother top, probably just would have glanced off it and we wouldn't be yeah. talking about it now. But well, they reckon if they hadn't turned, it would still be okay. Oh, because they're head on. Yeah. Yeah, right. So glancing blows are not how ships are supposed to hit icebergs. That sentence just. I know, it doesn't make any sense. No. But the, the forward bulkhead, so the like a bulkhead in a ship is across the hull. So, like, you picture you've got the boat. And you're looking at it on its side, yeah. so like looking sideways through it. A bulkhead is like the vertical bit that runs from side to side. Yeah. So they can seal them and stop water coming through. Yes. The forward bulkhead is like almost the full height of the ship. So if they hit something front on, they can seal that off, gone. It's yeah, never right. coming further yeah. through and the ship can keep going. But that's not what they did. No. Like I said, glancing blow and it's kind of like hit and just gone down the side. Yeah, that's right. After being woken by the collision, the captain met with the officers in the bridge and the ship's architect, Thomas Andrews. The captain immediately ordered the lifeboats be prepared and the passengers brought to the boat deck. Then Smith and Andrews went to investigate the damage and found the ship was doomed, as we said. Were the people in those compartments? This was below the passenger areas, so it was in like the boiler rooms. Yep, yeah, so I mean like crew members. Uh, yeah. Because I've seen and read stories of- yep. Like in the, in the war when ships would be hit and started taking yeah. on water that people would be sealed off in those flooding compartments, mm. obviously to sa- try and save the rest yeah. of the ship. I will get to that as well. Okay. Um, because like it, it, it's actually an important part of the story that nobody really talks about. The So they found it was doomed and the wireless operators were given the order to transmit a call for help, becoming one of the first ships, not the first ship, but certainly the most notable so far, uh, to use the SOS distress call. Hadn't been used much by this time. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, it, like Morse code was created, I think, for wireless, right? I have no for idea. Telegram. I just assumed it was always been around where they would use like uh, lighting signals or mm. I just assumed it was always around. Yeah, no, but one of the first. Flares were also set off uh, as well as distress lamps used to send Morse code messages. Keep that in mind. Okay. They sent up flares. Yeah. Well, like you said, there's lots of ocean traffic at the time. Hopefully someone's in enough, close enough or in range to see it. Go. Yeah. Did they have different colors for different or it was just a flare? They did. And that matters. Uh, I will mention that during the inquiries. Did they not use the right colour flare? Nope. By by 12.20am, so this is 40 minutes after the accident. After the the impact? Yep. Yep. The order had been given to man and launch the lifeboats, with the first and second officer, William Murdoch and Charles Lytler, in charge of the process. They were given the standard order of women and children first, which they disastrously interpreted differently. As no lifeboat drills had been carried out, many of the crew weren't sure where they should be or what they should do. Due to this, Murdoch interpreted the order as women and children first, where Lytler interpreted it as women and children only. Okay. While both men would let lifeboats leave while not yet full. What? Yep. Not even enough lifeboats for everyone. They let them down not full. Yeah. Okay. Keep in mind... People don't know what they should be doing, right? Yeah, now. and everyone's, I guess, I guess most people are yeah. panicking. And Some people didn't believe it. Some people wanted to stay below decks where it was warm, um, but still. So while both men let, would let lifeboats leave while not yet full, Lightler would not allow any men on board the lifeboats he launched, letting some go with as little as a third of the seats filled. So you've got a, a boat that can take 68 people and it's got like 20, 20 people. Oh, yeah. I don't like this person. He's annoying me. I mean- you shouldn't like the person that said no to doing lifeboat drills. Nobody knows why the captain said no to it. He just cancelled it. That's that's fair. But yeah, you're in a sinking ship. Yeah. These people know that it's doomed. They were one of the ones that went and checked on it, aren't they? No. So this is the first and second officer. Okay. That was the captain and naval architect. 
But still, I'm sure they would have spoke to him and go, look, we're going down. You've been given an order for your captain to fill the lifeboats. Why only let it go when a third full? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I know. And like this, it, it comes up again that this issue of like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, you know. I'm just, I'm yeah. dumbfounded. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Like, anyway, keep going. I'm still not loving this. It's making me angry now. Yeah. I am loving this story, by the way. It's just making me angry. It's, it's giving me an emotional response. So like, it's, it's hooking me. This is how it got me. Right? It's hooking me. This is how it got me because I started reading this stuff and you can't, you can't help but put yourself in their shoes, yeah. right? And we've got foresight. We can, we can sit here. We know what happened. We know, every, we know the whole story, yeah. you know? But like you put yourself in their shoes and you just think like there's a moment. It's one of the one of the passengers I'll I'll tell a story of where like they knew they knew and it's not it's just amazing some of these stories but let's get on with the uh, with the story yeah it, otherwise it's going to be as long as the yeah. goddamn movie in the bowels of the ship sorry <laughs> haven't seen either neither of us have seen it. I know in the bowels of the ship the unsung heroes of the sinking the engineers and firemen stayed below decks to ensure the boilers were vented to prevent them exploding and that was a possibility well they're boilers. So, they're full of steam. If they hit oh, cold water- Oh, yeah. Massive. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. And crucially, that the lights stayed on during the evacuation. While it's easy to understand the need for the boilers to not explode, the fact that the ship sunk alone in the middle of the Atlantic on a moonless night meant that the ship being lit was the only source of light. Yeah. These men sacrificed themselves knowingly, like yep. they chose yep. to stay down there to ensure the evacuation could save as many lives as possible. And this is rarely mentioned. No, oh, yeah. But now that you mention it, all the pictures and stuff that I have seen of it sinking, it is when fully you think lit of it up. In your and, head, yeah. Even though, like, all even the lights are on. under, all the lights are on. Yeah. And that's because that's how it was happening. Wow. Yeah. Heroes. The lights only went out, like, minutes before it sank. Yeah. Like you said, never ever mentioned, but pretty, pretty brave, heroic thing to do, actually, like, to knowingly sacrifice to give other people the chance. Less noble things occurred elsewhere, with the third-class passengers, as you might expect, being treated a little more poorly than the first-class passengers. Mm. There are stories of the hatches being locked shut before many had left the bowels or, like, the lower levels of the ship. These are passengers that just locked in. Yeah. Like, they're literally, like, kicking people back in and shutting the hatches. Yeah. To stop water? To slow the sinking? Yeah. Or the just- idea was that this was to stop water getting into other areas of the ship to make it slower to sink. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That left a lot of people trapped below decks to drown. It's awful. Yeah. Probably drowning is probably the worst way to go as well. Yeah. Over the two, uh, two and a half hours between the collision and 2.20 a.m., all the lifeboats had been launched and the ship had gradually been tilting further and further towards the bow. It wasn't so, a wasn't a fast sink. It was quite. It was pretty fast. Like two hours is pretty fast. Not the fastest. Probably at the time. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty quick when you're trying to deal with everything. But yeah. like, if you were sitting on the sidelines watching it happen, yeah, probably two hours is a pretty long time. Yeah. So it's tilting further and further towards the bow, so yep. the front. Oh, it's, okay. It's oh, yes. Down. Yep, 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 yep. That's obviously where it hit. Water's filling up there. Yep. And uh, as it did so, the stern, including all the propellers, came out of the water. Came out of the water. So that's the iconic image is like that's the, the image in my head yep. sticking up. all lit yep. up sticking yep. up with the, the props sticking it was out. believed at the time that the ship had sunk in one piece um they found in the 80s no no it broke didn't it split in the middle yeah uh, with the forward section immediately beginning its descent to the bottom with the stern taking another few minutes to sink some passengers some passengers were still on deck and dove into the icy water so yeah. like they dove off yep. including the captain they think so when you said um the third class yeah do you, whereabouts in the ship 
are they like? I imagine first low. class is like the front yeah. of the ship, or is it's a high? It's the thing? top. So okay. first class is up the top. Second class, third class. So third class is like I think decks six and seven. I mean, you'd or have five a, and six. You'd have a pretty lucky break. Pun the pun. If you were like one of those people locked like in third class, locked below deck, and, <laughs> and then the split, it splits right there. So you're able just to. Yeah, I don't think that happened. I bet you it did. It might have, maybe, but has to. Have. Yeah. So those in the water were estimated to have died within fifteen to thirty minutes. That sucks. With drowning not the cause of most uh, deaths. Hypothermia. Yeah. So due to the cold, many would freeze in the water with hypothermia or with their limbs freezing, causing them to not be able to stay afloat and then drowning. Yeah. Others still were killed by pieces of the ship dislodging and rocketing to the surface, oh, hitting and killing them. That's yeah. brutal. Another bit that people don't think about. The ship broke apart as it went down and some of the stuff floated, so it shot back up. Out of the water. And the out back of the down. water. Wow. So people got hit on the way up and the way back down. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Hard to tell how many died this way. Though. That's brutal. Yeah. In the end, only 710 people were saved from the water that night. Out of how many? 2,224. Total passengers. Yeah, but- Total passengers and crew. Some were on the ship still, some got locked in. So, 710 people were in the lifeboats. And how many were rescued? 710. Oh, so- There was more in the lifeboats, but some of the lifeboats were full of water and those people froze. Ah. Yeah. So, like, more people made it into lifeboats than were actually saved because they died in the lifeboats. Okay. Yeah. Over 1,500 killed in total. Yeah. I think to this day is still the largest peacetime deaths on a cruise liner. Or just like sea time, like marital. Yeah. Marital? There's been more deaths in maritime disasters, but not in peacetime cruise liners. Okay. Yeah. The rescue. The RMS Carpathia was the first ship to arrive on the scene at 4am, having received the wireless SOS. Yeah. This is two hours after the ship sunk. Um, Keep in mind- After it's it's gone underwater or- Yes. Okay, yeah. All survivors in the lifeboats were taken aboard the Carpathia by 9am. So, it took about five hours to get all the lifeboats together. That's and a long time. Yeah. There's, oh, if, there's if, 20. If they're on the lifeboats, that's not yeah. problem. They're still not. Yeah. Everyone who was still in the water. At 9am, they've got everyone on board. Yeah. 15 minutes later, two more ships show up. The Mount Temple and the SS Californian. Now, you might remember. Yeah, the idiots. The Californian was closest, but they had their wireless system off. So, they wake up at 5am. Oh, sugar. Yeah. They wake up. Flick on the the wireless. Just pandemonium. Cut. What? Yeah. Yeah. Still not the worst bit about that ship. Pandemonium is the right word. Did I use that correctly? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. There were two inquiries held into the sinking. One in the US just a few days after the sinking, and one in the UK about a month later. As you would expect, these inquiries noted that the factors that led to the sinking were the lack of lifeboats, the failure to heed the ice warnings, the speed with which the ship entered the ice fields, and the lack of reaction by the captain. However, it's important to note that nobody was seen to be at fault, as this was standard at the time. However, those in the crow's nest were grilled about the fact that they didn't have binoculars. Well, that wasn't necessarily their fault either. It wasn't their fault, and the only thing that they could pin them on was that they didn't ask for binoculars, but they would just assume that there's none, right? I still think binoculars in the middle of the night not really going to be that helpful. Probably not as much as you would think. Well, okay, here you go. Uh, answer me this, boy. Riddle me this. How far back from the crow's nest, from the bow, is the crow's nest? I think it's like smack bang in the middle. So they've got to see like 150 meters to I was the front say, of the ship. I was going to say, like, yeah. That- so binoculars yeah. would be helpful in that situation because so yes, they, just to see the front of the ship, you probably they, need them. The, the guys that were in the crow's nest said a few times, if we had had binoculars, we probably would have not hit the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Such a simple thing in reckon yeah. could have just- 
Yeah. But like any disaster, there's a bunch of stuff that goes wrong. Wrong, yeah. But that's like the one thing they said was, if we had these, not happening. Wrong. But then they also say like, if, if the Titanic s- had had its maiden voyage when it was supposed to, not three months later, there wouldn't, it wouldn't have been icebergs. If it hit straight yeah. on, it wouldn't. So yeah. if- if this, if that, like you, like you said, it's, yeah. it's a com- like a combination of multiple factors that cause it. Like, And here's the one that for me is the reason all these people died. Okay. Hit me with it. An interesting side note of the inquiries was that the actions of the SS Californian were called into question. After the radio was shut down, the ship saw the flares being sent up by the Titanic. So they were within sight. So they were pretty close. Do you, do you have a, like an actual distance to how close they were? No, but they ignored those flares. They what? were like, oh, that flare is actually, it's red, but that might mean that it's for identification to say who they are. This captain's an idiot. And this is after they turned their wireless off? Yes. So that you think that at least they could have turned it back on and go, hey, what's going on? They they didn't even wake the wireless operator. <laughs> People on, for, on board the Californian noted that there was a ship whose lights looked weird. Oh, so they were that close. They could see it. They could see the Titanic on the horizon. Oh, so they were... uh, So instead of people freezing to death in the water, still could have out of the water. The Californian tried to contact it with signalling lights, but they reckon because of the haze that might have obscured the vision of the Titanic. The cold and the hot water. Yeah. The uh, the cold. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The cold air and the... They didn't do anything else until the morning where they were like, yeah, we saw some flares last night. Just want to get on the radio, see what's going on. It's estimated that they were within an hour of the Titanic. So, the people in the water probably still would have died. Not necessarily. You said like 15 to 20, uh, half an hour. if you imagine this ship gets over there within an hour, it took, so it was 11.40, they hit the iceberg. Oh, right. And it was was 2.20am when it sunk. Yep. You've got time to get people across in lifeboats. Yep. So, yeah, I put put blame for all the deaths pretty much on the Californian. Um, They saw... They could see the freaking thing. That's didn't know that. Like the fact that they could, like yeah. you said, see it. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm with you. I'm, I reckon. Yeah. Now, another reason I love this story. Who? What was the relation of the California? It's just another ocean liner. Different another companies. Ship. Yeah. Different no, company. No same yeah. company no. or. They had they had stopped for the night, so they had turned off the wireless and stopped for the night in an ice patch. So like they were surrounded by ice. It would have taken them. They reckon half an hour to get out of the ice. Half an hour to steam over. So, they're only really half an hour away. They're not an hour away. They're only like half an hour away. Yeah. Well, half an hour to an hour plus the time to get out of the ice. Yeah. And like, remember, they would have had their own lifeboats as well. So, they could dunk their uh-huh. lifeboats and go over and pick people up. Why have you never heard of this? Is it in I the- know. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to ask you if it's in the movie. No. You haven't seen it. No. I, it's like, it I, I can't be. believe that a ship saw it sink or like could see what they believe is the Titanic, could see the flares and did nothing. Did you have any information on what colour flares mean what? Uh, one, one thing that came out of this is that red flares have to be interpreted as a distress. Distress call. Yeah. So, you can't- There's other colours of flares that can mean different things. Yeah. I don't think they use them much anymore, but a red flare now has to be interpreted as distress. Okay. So, if you see a red flare, you've got to go over. You have to. Yeah. 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 So, it stops that, like, is that a flare for yeah. distress or is it just identification? I guess yeah. it's like a, well, the modern day equivalent would be an EPIRB, wouldn't it? Because mm. that's how EPIRBs work. Like, it gets a signal off to someone and they just go- Exactly where they are. Yeah. They then send a radio out to boats in the area. There's yeah. an EPIRB here. Mm. I believe they have to attend to yes. it. Yeah. yeah. The fate of our notable passengers earlier. Sure. Hit me with it. What I said, 
didn't end well. So John Jacob Astor, he helped his wife onto a lifeboat and asked if he could join her as she was frail. However, he was told no. On board, he was last seen smoking on the deck and the final sighting was him clinging to a raft with William Steed, the journalist. Yep. Uh, both had their limbs freeze and drowned. More on Steed in episode two. After getting his mistress, that's right, what a dog, <laughs> and made onto the lifeboats, Benjamin Guggenheim thought the ship would be repaired. When he worked out it was going down, he went and got dressed in his evening best so he could go down like a gentleman. Dog, but baller. <laughs> <laughs> Hate the man. Little bit of respect. What a class. <laughs> Ida Strauss. That is a, that is a pretty poor thing to do. And it's pretty dope, eh? Yeah. If I'm going to die, I'm going to look sick. <laughs> Ida Strauss would not get on a lifeboat without her husband after Isidore refused to be made an exception. They were last seen arm in arm on deck. Oh, sweet. Mm. Hold me, Jack. <laughs> he could have fit on that piece of debris. Anyway. Eddie, <laughs> you know you haven't seen it? Oh, you don't think I've seen that scene? <sighs> Joseph B. Ismay, yep. the managing director of- and chairman of White Star Line. Right. Surely he was allowed on would be labelled a coward and brute after he got into a lifeboat when women and children later drowned. He was savaged by the press, humiliated during the inquiries, and resigned as chairman and managing director of White Star Line six months after the incident. So he did survive. He has been since poorly presented in dramatisations of the event. He did survive. He was on a lifeboat. But probably regrets it. However, okay. Ooh. Witnesses have said he helped many women and children aboard lifeboats and only boarded one when no one else was around. People that were there were quoted as saying, if he hadn't have got on the lifeboat, he just would have been another corpse. So there was no one else to get on the lifeboat. He looks around and goes, well, I'm not going to die for no one else. Well, that's fair. And so he gets on, right? That's fair. The reason why we know him as a coward is that In the UK, a lot of the press at the time was controlled by someone who was a former friend or associate of him who'd had a falling out. And that guy decided, William Hurst, asshole, to present him in this manner and totally discredit him and ruin his life. Oh, that's... Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. You actually do the right thing. Yeah, and this guy... And you still get crapped on for it. Ismay, in, in multiple versions of the Titanic story, has been... Like in one, in one they they presented him as dressing up like a woman in order to trick his way onto a lifeboat. Like the guy helped people get on, and then like looks around and goes, "Well, why should I die?" Yeah, and gets on. The and life- they're like, "What a coward! He didn't die." The lifeboat's only a third full anyway. Yeah, just like the kind of stuff that went on in the early twentieth century, where they're like, brr, 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 "Brutey men!" Like whatever. Your cat's snoring. Yeah, she does that. <laughs> Oh, that's, so, that sucks for that dude. Like, I know. I'm going to assume the witnesses and stuff are telling yeah. the truth. Yeah. And for him to be portrayed like that throughout history. like Part of the problem is that one of the other guys that was on that lifeboat said this about him. So, there's other people that corroborated the story of he wasn't an asshole. Yeah. But this one guy that was like the main guy that they pointed out, he was like, I did the same thing. I helped people and then got on when no one else was around. And everyone's like- Okay, but then his wife comes out and says, yeah, he pushed me over and said, uh, you're on your own and ran off. The other random the other dude. guy that, like, <laughs> was on this lifeboat with Ismay. So, yeah, like, this poor guy. Uh, yeah. So, the aftermath. There were new regulations put in place that required all ships carry enough lifeboats for all on board. And mandatory drills. So, they have to do lifeboat drills. I think it's the first thing they do on a cruise ship now. 
Seems fair. Never been on one, couldn't tell you. The Radio Act of 1912 was also implemented, which required all ships carrying passengers to have a 24-7 radio service, maintaining contact with ships in the vicinity. It also meant that ships must immediately react to any red flare they see, as we said before. Yep. Lastly, the International Ice Patrol was set up to ensure ice conditions were monitored. Planes regularly fly in the area and report icebergs to ships on the water. These ships also report what they see back. Thanks to these measures, there has never been another life lost due to ice in the North Atlantic since. There's less boats in the North Atlantic as well, but... But they've done a pretty good job. Like, this still exists today. They still fly over the Atlantic. They're still doing this. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, Yeah, so that's part one, boy. Part one, yeah. It's hooked me. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your theories and... What, conspiracies or...? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. There's a couple of conspiracies, a couple of theories. One that kind of makes sense to me. One that I want to be true, but probably isn't. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's just the most, like, 1900s <laughs> story, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, we'll get into that next week in our special part two. Um, probably a bit shorter. Mid- Mid-break, not mid-break episode, mid-fortnight episode or... Yeah. Anyway, it's... it's we'll next- briefly go weekly. Yeah, for three weeks. <laughs> So that one, not not a lot of space for us to have a laugh in that one. But honestly, like... I probably made a couple of inappropriate jokes, but... <laughs> I I just, like... The it Titanic is a-, is a story that we get the, like, cliff notes of. Yeah. You know, like, you get the short version. You get the, oh, they didn't have enough lifeboats and that killed everyone. You know? Oh, they said it was unsinkable. Look what happened. It's a story that we use to be like, oh, that was a Titanic of a mistake. Mm. You know? Well, yeah, it is... It is- Cost is that there? Okay, what's the what's the word? It's a verb. Yeah, adverb. Adverb. I don't know. Adjective. Get rid of that. that would, we're just wrong. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love this story now. Yeah, oh, that's good. I had to cut so much out that I wanted to talk about. Oh, come on, give us give us some quick bits on what quick you cut out. Um, Harland and Wolf were the company that uh, were can were constructing the ship. Okay. Long history with White Star Line. That was one thing. Had a whole paragraph on that. It was yep. like a hundred words. Good. Cut it. Um, what else did I cut out? There's a few other passengers that I cut out. Um, similar stories, though. Um, we didn't talk about uh, Frederick Fleet much. There's a lot more to his story. He was the guy in the crow's nest. Yep. Um, just like there's a lot of stuff that, that you can go into that's like interesting if you care about the story, but yeah. actually not interesting at all. Um, Are you going to go into how they found it? Or is that for next week? Uh, I wasn't going to. I feel like that is a separate story on its own. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they searched for ages. It took 80 years, you know, 70 years to find it. Um, Even that, to me, just sound, seems ridiculous. Like, yeah. You've had other ships there go to where it was and stuff like that, and yeah. it still took 70 years to find it. One little bit is that the Olympic um, obviously kept going because the Olympic got put back into service after it was repaired. I remember um, why I'm angry about that now. Yeah, why is that? Well, because they just dismantled it. Yeah. Yeah, but the Olympic was doing the same route, and one night uh, it was going over where the Titanic had sort of sunk, mm-hmm. like that sort of area, and it started to violently shake, and everyone oh. was like, ooh, ghost the ghost of the Titanic, yeah. ooh, so spooky. Turns out it was just a massive earthquake. Oh, on the water. Yeah, at the same time, <laughs> they were sort of in the area. That's yeah. pretty That's pretty funny coincidence. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's the Titanic. Next week's episode should be a little bit funner, uh, a little bit more fun, I should say, as we uh, we hit the theories. Speak to you then, I guess. Yeah, I'll speak to you next week. Th- thanks for that. Like, It's got me hooked. I mean, you've yeah. got me interested. It's. I know not everyone will care as much, but just look up some photos of it and think about the story. Yep. And you'll be just like hooked by this this ship. Obviously, you're going to chuck a few photos on the socials. I will chuck a few up. Some that like, they give you the- Like that iconic image. 
Yeah, like you just get the grandeur of this ship, right? Mm. Um, the lines of it, like you can mm. tell in the way I'm talking about it. It's just cool. You know, it's a cool looking ship. Nice sharp nose. I'm going to come back next week to hear these theories and there's going to be a little model Titanic somewhere sitting in, oh, in your I never thought about that. <laughs> now there is. So oh, I'm giving him the idea. <laughs> I'm probably going to do that. All right, let's end it. Thanks for listening this week, everyone. Um, like we say every week now, uh, subscribe, like, whatever you can do. We haven't said that uh, at all. This I is think like- if you go back, we've said it every okay. time, John. We haven't. Um, <laughs> follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, what is it? At, at Cheeky Tales Pod uh, on all three. Um, we post content there uh, relative, uh, sorry, relating to the, the week's episode. Um, so you see pictures of the Titanic this week. Uh, and a little bit of mapping on where it where it went down. That sounds good. Uh, maybe a photo of uh, the most baller douche in the world, Benjamin <laughs> Guggenheim. Uh, and maybe a picture of uh, my new uh, saddest story, Ismay, the uh, the guy that got called a coward. Oh, after doing the right thing, yeah. Doing the right thing, yeah. Anyway. Well, well thanks um, for telling us this week, boy. It's, uh, that's all right. been a fun journey. I'll see you next week. Next week, yes. And then the week Special after episode, that, part two. Yeah. All right. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.